Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman presented by Riverwind Casino, Jeff Schwartz joins us to preview the OU Oregon matchup in the Alamo Bowl and the National College Football Roundup. We update the QB carousel and discuss the CFP's interesting rules that they put out. We finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 27th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winging environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in January from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Rockin' and Reelin' giveaway. Ooh, like that. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this on Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And Ted, you are, you are in the bowels of San Antonio. You have arrived <laughs> for Alamo Bowl duty. What's going on, man? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm down here. It's been strange. We pulled in... Yesterday, Christmas Day, weather was nice. It was packed on the Riverwalk. That was kind of different. I didn't expect that. Today, the weather this morning was like like I would imagine Oregon uh, weather is today. It was a little chilly, like misty and in gray. It was weird. But then this afternoon, it it skies cleared up and it's been nice. It's it's cool. San Antonio's buzzing, man. There's a lot of people here. I don't know if there's a lot of people here for the Alamo Bowl, but there's a lot of people here. Yeah, people forget. One of the biggest cities in the country. <laughs> Massive city. Yeah. Not a small market basketball team, yet somehow they still get called a small market basketball team. Yeah, interesting how that works. I think it's the seventh. Isn't it like the seventh largest 
Yeah. In the city, huge. in the country. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> Massive city. But yeah, so you drove down, right? I did. I did. How'd it, that go? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was it was actually pretty uneventful, which is it was just typically pretty good. Thank God for the loop that they have now around Austin that goes around the outside of Austin where you could drop the hammer speed limits, 85 miles an hour and there's no one on it. It's great. You can avoid the traffic in downtown Austin. So it was good, man. We had no problems. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. My flight's tomorrow morning. So uh, I will see you soon. Get the bar at the hospitality suite ready for me. Let's go. Okay. So Sooners practice Christmas day, right? And you know, one thing I was thinking about Ted, and so you were headed down, so you didn't get to catch this practice. But uh, I was thinking about the scenario of this and going back to like playing in bowl games and and kind of how the timeline works. So they practice on Christmas, and I just have a feeling that that practice wasn't very crisp. And the reason I say that is because team flew in on Christmas Eve which meant Christmas Eve night was the first night at a bowl game, which usually means you go out, you have a really good time, even if it is Christmas Eve, but everyone knows the Riverwalk never sleeps there in San Antonio. So I'm guessing that means that Christmas Day practice was was one after a, a long night on the town for a bunch of these guys, and... As this scenario popped into my head, I looked at the weather and it was like 80 degrees in San Antonio. I was like, oh my God, I bet those guys are dying. So I'm just saying that that couldn't have felt particularly good. And I've been, I've been a part of a couple of those practices in my day. Yeah. It sounds like it was a bit of a grinder too. Not only was it, um, hot. It relatively 80 whenever it's been you know cool all fall and then all of a sudden you're dropped into humid 80 degree temperatures uh it's tough and they've had basically a month off right they've had a couple of practices here and there but for the most part they've been off for a month and all of a sudden you're going full pads uh in the heat getting it in and i was talking with caleb kelly he did the practice report with us and he was like yeah the guys were they were feeling it yesterday for sure. Today, the weather was a little bit better for a practice, but uh, yesterday, I think they were feeling the effects for sure. Uh, this is a story for another time, but uh, there was one first day of bowl practice where Bob asked me how much we uh, we should run, and I said, Coach, if we run, we might die. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's a story for another time. But so you went to practice on Sunday. You're there doing the practice report stuff uh, for Sooner Sports TV. Where's the give a flip meter at? Like, how, how's the squad looking? It, it does seem like a bunch of these guys, just from what they've said publicly, like pretty excited to play for Bob in this game. So, like, what what was kind of your read on that whole situation? It the energy looked good, the buzz looked good. Um, you know, they came out ready to go. I didn't stay for the whole practice, but um, everyone looked looked ready to roll. looked It looked energetic, energetic. Uh, enthusiastic they came out of the the locker room hooping and hollering and so as far as I know it looks like a pretty standard affair you know offensively I think there's plenty for these guys 
um, you know, the coaching staff, the players to be excited about going out there. We've got coaches that are, you know, and you've talked about this in more of a collaborative role. And I think that energizes those guys. And, you know, defensively, you, you are coaching with the staff from the previous regime uh, for the most part, but you're also playing a lot of younger guys. You know, some of your top players aren't playing, which means there's new guys going to be starting out there and you're going to be, going to be playing a ton of reps, going to be playing 30, 40 reps out there instead of the 15 or 10 that they've been playing. So um, it's, there, there's, I think there's some motivation there, and and obviously the coach Stoops thing factors in as well. So looking, uh, I was thinking about going into this game, what what could look differently, what could look different offensively, and uh, my first thought was that right, Austin Stogner's gone in the portal, headed to South Carolina. All of a sudden, you think about. You go back and think about all the 12 personnel stuff they did with him on the field, all the 13 personnel stuff they did with him, Willis and Hall all on the field. Like that's gone a lot, a big portion of, of that, especially the 13. Although I, I do think they feel pretty good about Jackson Sumlin. It's just, he's a completely different body type than Stog. Way smaller. Yeah. Way smaller. He's just, he's just not as big of a human being. So you going into the game, you you probably assume you're going to see less 12 personnel in general, e- even though they view Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis uh, as some of their most reliable guys. But when you don't have that third body, right, that third guy that you really trust, naturally you can kind of go away from some of that stuff. So I, I think you could see them play in a little more 10, a little more 11 than maybe we're used to seeing. And I, I don't think that's that big of a deal. It's just something I was thinking about going to this game. Like, okay, what could look different? I, I don't think you're going to see as many big personnel packages simply because Stogner isn't there anymore. Yeah, that may be true. Um, it may be true. I Today on the practice report, I was asked for to pick an MVP, uh, offensive MVP. And I picked... Braden Willis, I think I think we're going to see a lot of zone. I think there's going to be a lot of boot off of it. I I'd like the way he played Oklahoma State game. They split him out, threw him the ball, threw him a uh, jump ball, and you know, <laughs> Caleb Kelly. Whenever I said that, he said you they've actually been forcing him the ball quite a bit here lately in practice. So. I don't know what that means. I, I I don't know if if that that is a lot of play action stuff that they're getting him to him, or if they're starting to split him out like they did a little bit more with Stogner. He's done it too, but um, in some of that eleven stuff, he's now the guy that's out there, and they're liking what they're seeing from him. Yeah, uh, other things I expect to see offensively in this game that may be a little different than what we've seen up to this point in the season. I expect to see more tempo. Right. You you've got you've got guys like Joe John Finley who are heavily involved in putting this game plan together. You got guys like Ty Darlington who are heavily involved in putting this game plan together for Kale Gundy to call. Well, Joe John is a big fan of what Levy does. And clearly, now that Levy's in the fold, like tempo is one of the biggest weapons of that offense. 
I expect to see them play a little faster in this game. Uh, I expect in kind of the same, the same logic, I expect to see them run some more RPOs in this game. Uh, I really do. I, I expect Caleb Williams to be put in more of those situations where he is reading a defender or a box count, and then he's throwing it or handing it based off those looks. And it's all about creating conflict and maybe getting a guy a little too far down the field to block some people. Ted, I don't want to hear about it, man. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) But it's all about creating conflict for those second and third level defenders. And I think we're going to see more of that stuff along with, you know, I've, I've gone back and, you know, watched quite a bit of what Ole Miss has done. They run a lot more zone stuff in the running game than, than gap schemes. And I know I've said this all season long. I think this offensive line is much better equipped to block zone schemes than some of the gap schemes that they've been asked to block this year. I expect to see more zone in the running game in this football game. No doubt. No doubt. Well, here's the thing. If, if that's the direction your running game is going to go in the future, and we both agree that that is the direction it's going to go, there's no reason to waste five, seven, eight, pra- however many practices that they've had running stuff that you know you're not going to run in the future. You've already, it's not like you've got to go install those plays. They already have those plays. It's just different terminology, right? So it would make sense to get a jump on blocking those plays the way we're going to start blocking them in the future, it's a way to get a jump on your spring. You know, it's, it's a way to start transitioning to that style, you know, without a whole lot on the line. So I agree. Yeah. Okay. Defensively, just thinking about that group coming into this game. Right. And by the way, Brian Odom, he was awesome in his presser. Awesome. I think, I think anyone that was like, that's, still was like, eh, do we really want this guy calling the defense? Like, he's at USC now. Just listen to the way he answered those questions. B.O. was – he was fantastic. But – I told him I told him beforehand, I said, just tell everyone that you plan to sabotage the game and try and convince all the players to transfer to USC. That's the – that's your goal this week. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Some no. people honestly believe that that's what's happening. It's it's just, it, it was cool to hear the players on the defensive side talk about how much it meant to them that those guys were coming back and coaching. And, you know, the players know. They know. So that was that was cool to see. And I thought B.O. just, first of all, looked great. Suit, tie, fantastic. Man cleans up well. But when you look at the personnel defensively for this game, no Perrion Winfrey, no Isaiah Thomas, no Nick Benito. No Brian Osamoa. Those are your three top sack leaders on the team and your best blitzing linebacker. So I, maybe Jalen Redman and Reggie Grimes can, can win at the point of the attack, right? Maybe they get some one-on-ones and maybe they get pressured, right? That, that is very possible. There's no doubt. Those guys are talented football players. Or, Ted, is this a situation where even though Oregon's offensive line has been banged up throughout the season, like this is this is a pretty solid group along the offensive front for Oregon. Like, could we see 
Odom maybe have to dial up some more pressure to create pressure on the quarterback because when you when you don't have Perion or IT or Benito like that can win one on one, you've got to generate pressure somehow, right? And I just I don't know if it's one of those things where he'll try to feel it out early or how that will progress uh, throughout the game. But it was just one of those things where coming into this game, I mean, you don't have the guys for this team that have affected the opposing quarterback. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a tough battle there. You're, you know, up front, you lose all your production, but on the back end, you maintain pretty much across the board. Your, your guys that know the adjustments, know the defenses, so they can handle uh, a big blitz package. So I don't think that that's an issue. Uh, you know, I, I just, the one thing that you got to worry about a little bit is blitzes are good whenever essentially all you're doing is trying to get one-on-ones, right? You're, you're trying to, you're trying to predict where the one-on-one's going to be. Rarely is anyone going to come free. It happens, but that shouldn't be your goal. The goal should be to get some good matchups in the blitz. And we've lost most of our good matchup guys that you're calling that for. So if, if you feel like you can't get home with your guys up front, whenever even when you're dialing pressure, like you don't feel great about them winning one-on-ones, it's almost better to not do it, but I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily how he feels about those guys. Um, you know, Aguebu is a big physical guy that can be a, a tough guy to block on a pressure. Um, they still have, uh, you know, good presence off the edge at nickel with Broyles uh, that can, they can bring pressure with him in certain situations. Um, you know, depending on where the ball is, they'll dial up some corner blitzes. I think it'll be a part of the package, but I don't think we'll see more of it than we typically do. I think the the goal for them defensively, first and foremost, is make sure you adjust well to all their motions and fit the run game really well. And if you can do that and tackle, you're going to be real. You're going to be in a good spot to win this game and and win it handily. That's going to be the critical factor. No mental mistakes on the adjustments and tackle whenever you have a chance in the running game. If you do that and put them in in third and long, they don't have the quarterback play to be able to pick you apart, in my opinion. Right. It's it's just going to be so interesting to see how this game is called from an offensive and defensive perspective, right? Okay, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you for your boldest predictions for the Alamo Bowl. And this, this first one comes from Seth Ammerman. He says, Caleb Williams throws for 303 TDs, runs for another 102 TDs. Uh, I believe, Seth, the prediction would then be 400 yards of total offense and five touchdowns. That, I will say this, the offensive staff is going to make it a point of emphasis that Caleb Williams racks up as much yardage as humanly possible, right? Uh, I mean, that is... That is certainly the game plan, I would say, is make sure that Caleb Williams walks off that field feeling really good about the offense and really good about his future at OU. And, and not just that, 
there's got to be, in my opinion, a bit of a, a feeling to say Lincoln Riley is not the only brains in town, right? No doubt. We've got good coaches here. We've got good offensive coaches here. Um, we can coach this system. We can call it with this system. There's, you know, there's very capable people left here, uh, and we can score some points without him. Wait, you mean coaches are really competitive human beings? What? Yeah, that's right. Oh boy. And this, this other one comes from Don Shelton on Twitter who says big game, Bob fakes a field goal and scores a TD. I I'm all, I'm all for trickeration in this football game. I mean, what do you have to lose? Why not? I, I feel like it would be a massive wasted opportunity if they didn't do something like that. Some, some former fashion, some gadget plays, whether it's special teams or not, you know, whenever, whenever guys can sense that the game doesn't mean as much and, you know, there's, there's been turnover, there's change. You're not in the playoff. You're not in into year six. You know, you have to find something to keep it fresh, keep the guys excited and putting in gadget plays, man. And, when when players feel like they're going to be run, it brings a level of excitement that that we're coming after this game. We're going to be aggressive. It's fun. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Birthday shout out time. Let's go. It's what Happy everyone p- wants to hear, right? This, this is this is, this is, this is uh, other than us mispronouncing these people's names, these people's names. <laughs> like people love this part. Uh, hap- oh, this is a good one to start with. Happy 27th birthday to Shanna, Shana, Pool, S H A N A, Shanna, Shanna Pool, Shanna Pool, happy 27th. Happy birthday to Parker DeVore. All right. Happy birthday, Parker. Happy birthday, Parker. And then this is a first shout out to 11 year old Kale Terry. Yeah, you, Kale. We're talking to you, buddy. It's not his birthday, but in the last football game of his season, Tours ACL. He's having mm. surgery this week. Sorry about that, Kale. We're sorry, man. But don't worry, buddy. You will bounce back and be stronger than ever. He will. He'll be stronger than ever. Uh, good luck with the surgery. Everything's going to grow great. You'll be fantastic when it's all said and done. No doubt. All right, let's get to our Alamo Bowl preview with Jeff Schwartz. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Hey, guys, there are plenty of loves on your way down to San Antonio. Stop at one. Come on. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, talking Alamo Bowl with Jeff Schwartz. It is our pleasure to be joined by the biggest Oregon Ducks homer on planet Earth. You can catch him on SiriusXM Radio. He does the Pac-12 channel he does nfl he, he does mad dog he does everything you could also catch his beautiful face on fox jeff schwartz is in the house what's up man i am glad to be here even though bowl season looks like i don't even know what bowl season is anymore uh, this game as we're talking is still happening i guess maybe probably shouldn't happen because this is the weirdest bowl game i've ever been a part of sort of i'm not even a part of it but it's just a a weird bowl game buddy yeah, uh, let's let's start there. Obviously, very weird on the Oklahoma side. Uh, Bob Stoops is coaching this game because Lincoln Riley said, "You know what? I'm uh, I'd like to go to USC." And y'all's coach did the same thing, but it it makes a little more sense because he is a Miami guy. But were you surprised that Mario Cristobal bounced? Um, no, because it was Miami. If it was anywhere else, I I probably would be surprised. But I'll say this, I am surprised because he's leaving behind a really good situation in Oregon. He had three straight top 10 classes, and they were in the top 10 this year until he left, and then everyone decommitted and went elsewhere, at least not yet. I mean, Lanny can still bring in some guys, but he had an extremely talented roster there now to win. And if you're trying to get to a playoff, this is an easier path than building up Miami over the next couple of years. And I figured he would want to see that through. Obviously, the allure of, of going to Miami, going home, was important to him. And I don't have any ill will toward Mario. I mean, it sucks that he left. Um, but he left the school in a better place than it was when he got there. And that's all you can ask for. And so we have a new coach now, and um, we'll move on to the Dan Lanning era. Seems like he did a good job of – Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the culture was there, and I and, – I don't, maybe it wasn't a culture change, but a philosophy change. Um, you know, it seemed Oregon was known for being kind of an air, air raid type of attack. And even though they ran the ball a lot, it felt like Cristobal brought in a physical type of football that has played really well for them and probably transitions well for the new head coach. Yes. Yeah, so the, the Chip Kelly offenses, while they did run the ball a bunch, were more of the finesse is the wrong word. Run it where you're but, not type of but, stuff. Yeah, but but also like 
we just the the problem was when we played the big dogs, we weren't able to compete in the trenches. And it's not because we didn't have guys like we had the Forrest Buckner, Eric Armstead. We had draft picks on our offensive line. It wasn't like we didn't have anyone. It's just the style of play that we that, we, that they played with is different than what Mario brought. And Mario brought that SEC style of winning in the trenches. He recruited guys, big old bodies to, to, to be in the trenches and transition our offense from being that, that sort of up-tempo to slow it down, ground to pound. Now, the negative was like he's never developed a quarterback. Right, We had Justin Herbert there. Justin Herbert is far better in the NFL than he was in college. This season – didn't develop a quarterback. That was the kind of the downside to this, uh, you know, ground and pound type of football is we just didn't develop a quarterback along the way. So before we kind of dive into what to expect in the Alamo bowl, what what happened against Utah, man, right? Because Oregon, it it had prided itself and being kind of the bully. We all remember uh, what they did to Ohio state and Columbus and, to watch them just get smacked by Utah both times they played. Like, yeah. at, what was your reaction to that? Cause that was, especially the second time we were like, okay, Oregon may bounce back a little bit. You know, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder, but man, they just, they, the, the Utes drilled yeah. them again. Well, the first game we just got our asses kicked. That's, that, that's, and then it happens sometimes in college. Well, the second game we really didn't, guys. And that's the thing that frustrates me. You know, the first half, the defense allowed 14 points. Anthony Brown threw a pick six. And then he threw that crummy play with like 20 seconds left where he threw it through like five black shirts. It was intercepted and they eventually got a field goal on that last drive. The yards per carry for the running backs wasn't very high until the fourth quarter. Like we played fine in that game in, in, in the rematch. The problem comes a lot of these games is quarterback play, right? You take the person out of your quarterback. And when your quarterback can't make any plays, the rest of your team eventually crumbles around them, right? The defense can only be so good for so long of any help from the quarterback. And so that's what happened in those games. We, we weren't, we weren't out physical in the second game. In the first game, we, there were parts of the game. We, we definitely were out physical. And as we saw this season around college football, a lot of offensive lines were good at one thing, not two things. And like Oregon was very good at running the football, not very good on third and eight. And we got third and eight too much and Utah's defensive line took advantage of us. So uh, that's what happened in those games. The first game, we just got our ass kicked. And the second one, our offense and really Anthony Brown was just really bad. You know, we've gone through, it's been one of the strangest things. Like we haven't been through a head coaching hire in over 20 years um, or a head coaching search in over 20 years with, uh, with Bob Stoops. And so Lincoln leaves, everyone's shocked. Um, but we get the coach that we want. And yeah. when it's all said and done, most OU fans are happier about the situation now than whenever Lincoln Riley was here with Venables. Has that, is there similarities there where all of a sudden out of nowhere, the Miami job opens up, Cristobal leaves, Lanning is a hot name out there, and then he's announced, are, are Oregon fans feeling really good about the situation now, or is it still kind of in shock that Cristobal left? Well, I think we're happy with the hires because everyone who's hired so far has a high-level recruiting background. And he does. They, we, we pulled away the director of personnel guy from Texas A&M who there was an article about these personnel people at schools. 
that was written like two days before he was hired. He was the second one. He was like his peers voted him as the second best in the country. So we, we took him away from him. He was at Georgia. We took him away from a and uh, We hired young, energetic coaches. The downside is that Dan Lanning was a coordinator for two years. Now, Chip Kelly was also, right? So we've been that path. And it's worked out for us. But, but Kenny Dillingham, our offensive coordinator, he's 31 years old. He's younger than us. He's never had his own offense. So this is the first time in his new offense. The reported hires, an offensive defensive line coach, great recruiters, and they've proven to build up offensive defense. That's great. So he's kind of molded young with old. Um, I think a lot of us are looking forward to seeing a little bit, um, again, of just a more opened up offense. I think you can have both. You can also, like, I mean, like, I think Oklahoma's a great example, right? You can ground and pound and run GT counter and be physical, but also hit some explosive plays in the past game when you want to. I think that Oregon fans are looking forward to that. But really, look, I have no idea. Dan Lanning's not been a head coach for He's 35 years old. He's younger than, than Gabe. Are you 35 or are you 34? I'm 31. Oh, you're 31. Damn, okay. Thanks, man. Yeah. I thought, well, we, well, we played. I forgot. I was four years older than anyone in that, in that Lions room. I'm sorry about that. You're correct. It's okay. I, uh, I was the old, but it, it, well, I, was thinking, I was 29 years old and I was the oldest guy in that, in that Lions room by four years. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> That's why we were so bad. <laughs> so, so everyone was so young. I was like, a, I, was the, I was the old guy, 29 years old. Um, when I came in the NFL, the old guy was like 37 in the offensive line room. <laughs> a much different time now. But so I think we just, we, we just, I got to see them, them all together, right? And see how they work together. And our opening season, our opening games next year, Georgia in Atlanta. And then we play Eastern Washington at home and BYU, which is not going to be a tough, uh, which will be a tough out. And it was like, they're going to hit the ground running here uh, pretty fast. But again, we'll see how he closes in recruiting. And we got to find a quarterback. Bo Nix does not excite me from Auburn. Um, we'll see what they do with him. Um, but we have talent there and just got to see how Dan Lanning brings it all together. Okay. Let's, let's talk some Alamo bowl boys. And this is, I, I feel like this is where you have to start with every one of these bowl games that isn't a CFP game. Who isn't playing for the ducks? Well, which guys aren't going to be on the field? Yeah. Um, so Kayvon Thibodeau obviously is not playing. Um, he's our best defensive player. Um, he's out. I believe Mikel Wright or one of our corners is not playing number two. Um, I think our safety was an all American in some publications is playing Verone McKinley, number 23. Um, but, but guys, we've been very injured this season. We've had 43, 44 guys start for us this season. At some point, um, we've had 20 plus offensive line combinations. So we're down, you know, we're down running back one. We're down our top two wide receivers. Uh, we're down multiple offensive linemen. We're down, as I mentioned, um, you know, uh, Kayvon won't be there. Our number one corner, one of our safeties, two of our inside linebackers. Um, yeah, it, we were like this. We played all season like this outside of of, uh, of KT and, and Mikael Wright uh, not playing that game. So we're just, we're injured, man. It's been the way we've, we, we've been that way all year. And that's who's not playing, I guess. I mean, at this point. Um, and, you know, this is one of those situations where do you play the young guy? Do you just kind of win with the older guys? This is how bad also it is. I forgot to mention this. We have a, a true freshman offensive lineman. He's really good. He started two games this year. He's been, he's been injured. He hasn't played as much. He's playing defensive tackle for us in the bowl game. DJ Johnson, who used to be a defensive end, 
who plays tight end for us, who also played defensive end this season. He had the game-winning touchdown against Ohio State and the sack that ended the game against Ohio State. That's how injury we were in that game alone. He Not game-winning touchdown. He had the, the first down to, to kind of – and then the game-winning sack in that game. That's an injury we've been. We have a tight end who used to be defensive end. He's playing defense for this game. So, like, we have an, an offensive lineman playing D-tackle and a tight end – playing defensive end in this game well the next i i guess after that um who's Holy playing shit. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing you talk about in bowl games is who cares more i how's oregon approaching this thing and there's kind of this weird thing with oklahoma this year since bob stoops is, has taken over the game and you know, Venable's getting hired after after Lincoln left. There's a little bit of like energy come into the program, and you know, I don't know how long that lasts and if that lasts through a a bowl prep and a bowl game. But it seems like there's a there's some actual excitement around this game for Oklahoma and the football players and the team. Anything like that going on with the working right now? Or are they just like ready to get to the offseason with all the injuries and everything that's happened? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, you know, our entire coaching staff is for the bowl game is coaching somewhere else the day after the bowl game, right? Our offensive coordinator took the Akron job. He took some analyst with him. Our, I think it's our secondary coach took the Nevada job. He has already hired some, our, our, one of our offensive analysts and our defensive analysts who both guys actually played with the college. They're going to Nevada with him. Mario Cristobal is taking the offensive line coach, the strength coach, the wide receiver coach. Like, so these guys are all there coaching the bowl game with eyes somewhere else. Now, I, I believe they're going to give it their all to win the game. But I mean, like, uh, the, the next day they, they take the Oregon polo off and put a Miami polo on. I don't hate them for it. It's just the 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 the, the business. But here's the thing that the Oregon fans are pretty frustrated about is our quarterback is going to be Anthony Brown, who started all season. You guys are in for a treat, buddy, because there are times he looks like like Marcus Mariota, and there are times he looks like the worst quarterback of all time. And it is the most frustrating thing being a fan of the Ducks because the sad part is he gives us the best chance to win at quarterback. Uh, we have a young five-star true freshman who just isn't ready yet. All reports have said he is not ready. And this is a game where you're like, just play the young guy, right? Everyone's screaming, play the young guy. But I've heard he's been terrible in practice. Like, they can't play him. So we have a quarterback that no one believes in. Like, the wide receivers, a, a, a wide receiver transferred and got onto, you know, Instagram. And just like, and said, like, everyone knows he sucks. It's like, like, like it's just, like, but again, so, like, I am, I very much enjoy watching Oregon play football. I have no interest in this game. This game means nothing to next season. Nothing. Like we're playing a bunch of guys who, you know, they're young. Like we have some, we have some really good wide. Uh, we have two great freshman wide receiver, Troy Franklin and Hudson. Like they're going to be good. Sure. But like, I don't know. We're playing different offense next season. So I, I'll watch the game. I think Oklahoma's going to kick our ass. I, like, I just don't know what we're going to do offensively with, with Anthony Brown, like what's going to be different than what we've seen all season. I mean, dude, he'll have like three drives in a row where everything looks good. 
and then he'll just throw the worst interception of all time. Like I, I like I don't I don't know how to explain it. Um, it's just a very he's just a it's a very up and down quarterback. Yeah, and you know that's kind of what I've heard from you. You know when I check in with you during the season, early you were like, "Hey, Ty Thompson, everyone's talking about him. Like he's going to be amazing." And I, what what Anthony Brown do you think you're going to get in this game? He's got to be he's got to be motivated to play really well with Bo Nix coming in, right? Like does that? Well, he's he's not coming. He, well, Brown's not coming back next season, so it doesn't matter. Like this. Oh, like, he's leaving. It's his sixty season. Yes. Well, where is he gonna go? <laughs> he's just done playing football. But, but like my point is like okay, say so like that's my point. Like let's like this is the, the thing that Oregon fans deal with is it's very clear that the quarterback we expected to play in Ty Thompson is not ready to play yet, and it's also. Lincoln Riley's fault for playing Williams so early because everyone's like, yes, you see, see, Lincoln Riley did it. It's like, well, that's not every situation. Not every true freshman is ready to play. Okay, stop it. And so it's just, it's kind of just sad. Like he's just not ready to play. And like I, I heard first day of bowl practice, two interceptions, like right off the bat. It just, he's just not ready to go yet. Um, uh, not, not Brown, Ty Thompson. And so coaches want to win. They don't want to be embarrassed. And so I think a lot for a lot of Oregon fans were watching this game to, you know, with an eye to some young players. Like I don't expect our, our two freshman offensive tackle who's playing defensive tackle to play defensive tackle next season. I'd be fun to watch him, but like he's really good offensive line. He'll probably play guard next season. He's one of our better guards this year. It's, it's just like a silly. It's just a silly game, dude. It's like it's like it's just it's so. No, we have some good players. I'm not, I mean, Noah Sewell, linebacker, number one, is fabulous. We, we have uh, Dorless inside at D-Tackle is a very good football player. Like I said, Verone McKinley is All-American safety. We got some good players. I mean, Troy Franklin, true freshman, wide receiver is really good. Um, we have some young running backs and in, in, in Cardwell and in Seven McGee. Like, we got some good players. It's just going to be a lot of young kids and then an the old quarterback. Well, you said it. The, the this game is ridiculous. Is is the is the bowl system as as we know it dead? And I mean, I know we've had last year we had some COVID stuff. This year we have some COVID stuff. But I once you really open the gates to like canceling games and guys opting out of games in 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 big numbers and. Coaches leaving now before, uh, you know, before the bowl games for the early signing period. Uh, is this thing going to continue? Well, what, what made the bowl games irrelevant, or at least the feeling of, irre- of irrelevancy, is, is the playoff system, right? Because we look at, at a, lot of, a lot of teams in the country look at their season as playoff or bust. Oregon won 10 games. Oklahoma won 10 games. You, you won 10 games or nine games. You want 10, 10 or nine, 10. Okay. So that's a great season. That's really hard to do. You know how many teams would kill to win 10 games? I I know 11 other Pac-12 schools that would kill to win 10 games every year. It's a great thing to win 10 games. But when you have playoff aspirations, when you don't win your conference, then the bowl game, and when we played guys, the bowl game was awesome. I love playing in a bowl game every year. It didn't matter how good or bad we were. And that, you know, we played during the BCS era and we played, I put Oklahoma in a bowl game in the holiday bowl in, in, uh, in, uh, in 05. And like it, I, we used to love it. 
And I think now because of the playoff, the expectations, opt-outs, and obviously COVID this year, the bowl system is, is different. Now with 12-team playoff, I, I think bowl games would feel even more relevant, but at least more teams will be in the playoff. But that's a downside of, of this of, of this idea that it's always playoff or bust. Like Oregon, for example, Oregon, Mark Christopher will tell you, and he'll tell you now, they never thought they'd be a playoff team this season. They thought it was going to be next season or in 2023. But beating Ohio State advanced that timeline, at least in everyone's eyes. They never thought they'd make the playoff this season. That was never a, a, a thought they had this year. Just because of quarterback, a lot of young players, they thought it'd be next year. So again, 10 wins with the injuries we've had and Anthony Brown is, a, in my opinion, it's a great season. I don't know if Oregon fans feel that way, but that's the way I feel about it. But again, because of the coach situation, I personally view the Alamo Bowl differently. If Mario was still there, I look at this game much differently because it would be, to me, like a springboard to next season, right? But because of of all those things I mentioned to you, again, like the like I like Eric Maribel as the offensive line coach. He'd go to Miami the next day. Like, 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 like I'm watching the offensive line, but then I know that tomorrow or the day after, a new offensive line coach comes in. Everything just gets blown up, right? So it, you're looking at kind of through that weird lens of, of this game. I hope we win. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do an offense with a brand new, with, with, with Mario not there, with Moorhead off to Akron. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see. I, uh- I would anticipate see anticipate seeing the Travis Die show, but who knows? I mean, like, what if Joe Moorhead just says, "You know what? We're going to pass the ball a bunch because I'm in charge now." Like, maybe the offense is different. Actually, you could probably find out. I haven't even asked. I'm like, I probably could find. Out. I haven't even asked. I'm sure, I could find out. Um, you know, like maybe because Mario's not there, they run a bunch of trick plays. Like, we were not much of a trick play team ever. Um, Maybe they run a bunch of trick plays and they got open things up and they run a bunch of cool. I don't know. Just man. to get the guys engaged in a game that they, I mean, players can, players aren't stupid. They can sense when something means something, whenever it I, doesn't. I, right? I, I, again, I think the coaching staff there is coaching to win the game. I mean, no, for a fact they are. Uh, and players, I would imagine, are playing to win the game. But again, I, I don't know what we're going to see. I have no idea. I love it. Okay. So, uh, last one, we'll let you run. You actually have to do your podcast yes. tonight as well. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Go check yes. it out anywhere you get podcasts. <laughs> Thank you. You you do a lot of betting content yes. for Fox. And how uh, when, when you look at this game, how do you factor in? How, how much weight do you give the fact that Bob Stoops is still absolutely pissed about what happened in 2006? <laughs> We had, we had Mike Bellotti on the radio show, and I said, hey, Mike, if you coach this game, because I was talking about Bellotti being interim coach, would you start the game with an onside kick? <laughs> and he just laughed very heartily. Um, no, I think Oklahoma's going to – I would take Oklahoma to, to win and cover, uh, again, for all the reasons I just mentioned. I mean, when you have a D tackle to be a true freshman offensive guard playing defensive tackle for you and you're too deep, probably not a good sign. <laughs> like, probably not great. Um and again, like like Oklahoma has coaches that are there, you know, with with the Venable staff, right? So like, there's this like sort of like this is sort of like the feels like the first game of that era. This feels like not the first game of the Dan Lanning era. Feels like a game in between, right? Like at least again, you have what four coaches I think stayed at least four, right? Stayed so 
like there is a little bit of that like okay this is the first venables game he's not the coach obviously with oregon there's none of that there's not like at all anyone saying this this is dan lanning's era started the day after the game we'll 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 be able to say that sounds like he likes ou ted (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably so um Jeff. Well, one thing though, too, is that Oregon actually is very good as a dog under Mario Cristobal. He's not there anymore. Um, we're very, very bad as a home favorite, like atrociously bad under Mario. We covered six games in four years, I think, as a home favorite. Whew. Now, that Mario is. only lost one at home, only lost one game at home, but we just didn't cover home big home spreads. But we, we've covered well as, as underdog. Well, we we still don't forgive you for being part of that 2006 Oregon team, but I like you anyways, uh, man. Have I told you? Have I ever told you the the, the story that very quickly? Because it's very, it's very amusing to me. So we we score, and the onside kick is about to come up, and I'm on the sidelines. I'm behind, like so. I'm here, and the kick is like there. I can see the the Oklahoma players, right? We're kicking this two up to me. So the ball gets kicked, and I see the Oklahoma player recover the ball. He picks up. I'm like, oh, all right, we lost. And I walk to the sidelines. I sit down. I'm like, oh, well, we lost, I guess. That sucks. Like two minutes later, like Oregon balls. Like, oh, oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> and then every time I watch it back, the Oklahoma player who recovered the ball just ran off the field. He like didn't show anyone the ball. He like, he like picked it up and was like, oh, it's mine. And just ran off the field. So the refs were like looking for the ball. I look like we recovered it. Like, you look like we fell on the ball. They just, I think they just assumed we had the ball, I guess. And then, of course, we we touched the ball before 10 yards. I mean, that's also part of it as well. It just was funny. I was like, oh, I exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, I remember, like, Michael, yesterday. What, what I'm like, was oh. the conversation I, the day after watching the film and talking about it and everything, after knowing what happened? I mean, I don't know. It sucks to be Oklahoma, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we did score twice in the last minute. It's not like we just, like, were handed right. the game. We had to score, and we blocked the last, and we blocked the kick, which is I think Hartley's like only miss all season. Oh, that's gonna make some OU fans mad. Oh, that's great, Jeff. You're the man. Thanks the for truth. the time, buddy. All right, guys, have a great one. Enjoy the Alamo Bowl. Well, doesn't sound like Jeff is too confident in the Ducks. <laughs> uh, get ready uh, with your spotter boards uh, for the folks calling this football game because it could get pretty far down the roster for Oregon. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I love how he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's how we're all feeling going into this game, but it is going to be fun. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, Connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. 
Guys, it's winter, but the weather doesn't matter because it's always hard seltzer season. There's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. National College Football Roundup. Little update. Just a, uh, The QB carousel has slowed down a little bit in college football, Ted. Uh, some, some minor notes. Missouri's quarterback, Connor Basilak, has entered the transfer portal. Last year, he was co-SEC freshman of the year. Didn't really make the big jump that a lot of people thought he was going to make this season. Uh, maybe had something to do with Missouri not being very good but he will have two years of eligibility left. So all of a sudden, a guy that some people think is a pretty solid player is available. Also, and I'm not going to pretend I have extensive knowledge of Missouri's backup quarterback situation, but people are going to want to try to go play and start for an SEC team. Like, So it's noteworthy. Or is it? Do people care about Missouri's quarterback? Did I just waste people's time? Um. I don't think anyone necessarily cares who's going to be playing quarterback at Missouri next year, but it is interesting to continue to hear what all teams out there have lost their starter to the transfer portal. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's musical chairs with college quarterbacks these days. Yeah. People, our listeners would probably care more if OU was going to be in the SEC next year. Probably, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We still don't know if they're not. I think we do. Uh, do we? I don't. Another. Topic we don't know for, for sure. Yeah. Right. We don't know for sure. We haven't heard anything definite, but who knows? Okay. Here's a new wrinkle to the college football QB carousel. Wyoming. Okay. They win their bowl game, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which is just a fantastic bowl game. Everyone's favorite. Their quarterback Levi Williams named MVP of that game. But then pretty much right after it enters the transfer portal. And that's not that abnormal, but this is the this is the interesting part. Wyoming's coach, Craig Bull, a lot of people may remember him from his dominant run there at uh NDSU. But when when Williams puts his name in the transfer portal, he basically on on Wyoming's official Twitter account basically put out a wanted ad for a transfer quarterback to come play there. And Josh Allen was on the graphic and it basically was like, Hey, we made Josh Allen into Josh Allen. We can do it for you. And I hadn't really seen a coach take that approach. Just being so public with it. Right. I, we're used to coaches telling kids this stuff privately, like, Hey man, we will come make you the next Josh Allen. He basically just put it all out there. That's new. I like it. Yeah, well, it's as good of approach as as any. Um, I mean, because really that's all you're doing is, you know, showcasing your offense and what it's capable of and what your track record is. And he's saying to everyone that maybe doesn't know as prominently as some of the other universities who has coached there and who have, who have played there, um, he's letting the world know that, hey, 
this offense is what put Josh Allen in the NFL and look at him go now. So I can't blame him for it. And I, I got to imagine there's not a whole lot of guys out there saying I'm entering the transfer portal to go to Wyoming, but whenever maybe you don't get the call that you want or the spot that you wanted gets filled, you start looking around and it's like, Hey, let me do a little bit more research here on this guy that coached Josh Allen and see what, see what Wyoming's all about. So I can't hate it. Maybe, maybe Will Howard from Kansas state, your favorite quarterback in all of college football will be like, guys, I'm the same size as Josh Allen. Take me, let's do this. What? No, you don't like that idea, man. Come on. Be nice to Will Howard. Come on. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a great teammate. I'm sure he means really well, but wow. Just wow. Okay. Uh, some, some bowl game stuff. The, the theme of the week is cancellations, right? You, you look at, you look at the military bowl between Boston college and East Carolina canceled. The Fenway Bowl between Virginia and SMU canceled. Hawaii Bowl between Hawaii and Memphis canceled less than 24 hours from kickoff. So I think technically Memphis's players just got a free trip to Hawaii and didn't have to play in a game, which when you really think about it, Ted, that's pretty sweet. Nothing wrong with that. That's a pretty good trade-off. On uh, a couple other ones, what in... This one just happened right before we started recording. Miami had to withdraw from the Sun Bowl. So I'm sure all those guys that have been living in Miami are bummed they can't go to El Paso. But they were supposed to play Washington State. And I we'll see if they're able to find a, another 5-7 and seven replacement team that wants to play that game on the 31st. Just step, just put, just play UTEP. <laughs> Why not? You're already there. <laughs> I we'll, we'll see. I, I will say this. I, I didn't play in the Sun Bowl, but I was on a team that played in the Sun Bowl. That was my redshirt year. Those people down in El Paso are incredibly nice. And so I hope that they get to, and it's a big deal. I, I think it's a big deal for that community. They take a lot of pride in how they run that game. And it would, it would be cool. I hope they find a replacement. I, I really do because I don't think they played that game last year either. So I'm, I'm hoping they're able to find a team that'll, that'll play Washington state in that one, but it's not going to be Rutgers baby because Rutgers is going to replace Texas A&M and play Wake Forest in the Gator bowl. And how, how do you think those players feel about that? I just, can you imagine you're like home? Like, ah, season didn't go as well as we wanted to, but get a little break. Then we're coming back. We're going to get after it for winter workouts. You get that call like, hey, man, we're playing a game in a week. What? Excuse me, what now? I don't know. I think for for guys that – I don't know how many bowl games Rutgers has been to recently. Right? I bet you that's call, why – I bet you a bunch of them were excited, don't you think? I think so. Um, to get out of Jersey and and head south a little bit, I, you know, I I don't think there's 
anything wrong with that. I, I'm sure they get a bowl gift. I'm sure I, I, I think the guys would probably enjoy it. I don't know that for sure. I mean, I know the feeling of, of being done with the season and, and like relaxing a little bit for, and having a moment to th- say, thank God that's over with. And to get back up there for meetings and practice, like the, the game is fine. Like I'm sure they're excited to play in the game. It's all the other stuff that comes with the game, the travel, the practice, the meetings. You can't just step out there unprepared. You know, even if it is just Wake Forest, you'll, you'll get your teeth kicked in and get embarrassed on national television. But Wake Forest has a pretty tough little football team. So I would think that they're excited for it, but I don't know. Do you think the Gator Bowl called Texas A&M and they're like, hey, about that gift suite for the bowl game? Actually, we're going to need all of that back. Uh, I understand you've already passed it out to your players, but yeah, we're going to need that back. We're going to give it to the Rutgers guys. <laughs> like, I wonder how that whole thing works for them. Uh, A&M probably just said, uh, yeah, here's a check. Give this to the guys and Rutgers would probably rather have the cash anyways, right? That's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, I... I did not think I was going to be very interested in the Gator Bowl, but can't can't wait to see what Rutgers looks like in that game. I mean, I, I hope I, they I, win it. Be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, okay, something that uh, that a lot of people view as not awesome. The college football playoff has announced what I maybe the best way to describe it is like like their COVID contingencies. I I don't know the the guidelines. And they are, they are something. So if you haven't heard about this, this is how this is working. So this year, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl are the semifinals. So the college football playoff put these guidelines out there. And so in those semifinals, if one team can't play and the other can, the team that can't play forfeits and the other team advances to the national championship game, which, you know, common sense okay that that makes sense doesn't i'm not a huge fan of it but okay but there's more if both teams in a semifinal can't play then the other semifinal just becomes the national title game somehow so for example if michigan and georgia both have some big time covet issues then bama cincinnati becomes the national title game somehow so there's more if three teams can't play and there's only one team that is healthy enough to go for the semifinals, they apparently just get named national champion. <laughs> and I think the last, the last uh, thing they put out there was if the semifinals go smoothly and we do get a national championship game set, the game can be pushed like no later than January 14th. If a team who won a semifinal and is about to play for the national title can't go by then, if they don't have enough guys to go by then, then they forfeit the national championship game. And this is where the one where I read it, I was like, this, this has to be a misprint. There's no way. If both teams that win the semifinal and are playing the national championship game, if they both have COVID issues and they can't get a team together by January 14th, then no national champion will be named for the season. <laughs> what did, did I break that down? Was, was that right? I think I got everything right. You broke it down perfectly. You hit all of the pieces. 
You laid it out there. Very easy to, to understand. But here's the thing. None of that's going to happen. Agreed. I, you, you're not going to have two teams in the same semifinal not play because of COVID. Team A is going to say, I don't think we're not going to have enough uh, guys to fill a roster to play. Team B is going to say, well, we can't either, but we're putting our punter at left tackle, whatever it has to take to take the field and say, no, no, we're good to play it, and you advance, right? That's all you have to do is say, we're good to play it, and you advance. There's no way that these teams are going to say we're bowing out. There's not. They're going to go out there and play with whatever roster that they can, and I know there's probably – some type of number guidelines that they have to follow, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, my initial reaction to all of this, and maybe it's the cynic in me, is that, okay, teams just won't test their guys then. Well, they shouldn't unless they're sick. That's my opinion. That was, and remember, that's what the NFL, right? That was the adjustment they made. The vaccinated guys that don't show symptoms, like you're not getting tested. So if, if, right, we talked about last episode about Michigan, those guys all go and get in their booster shot together. Well, if I'm Michigan, I'm going, hey, we're just, we're going with what the NFL's doing. Right? It makes the most sense to us. And I don't, I don't know who sets the rules for the testing policy at the college football playoff. Maybe the college football playoff sets. It. Maybe, I, I don't know. But, I find it incredibly hard to believe, nearly impossible to believe, that the college football playoff is going to let a team forfeit. Like it's just this is the no. biggest. I mean, it's the it's the three biggest. So the two semifinals and the championship game, they're the three biggest games in the sport. You've paid a gajillion dollars for for the TV rights, right? If you're ESPN, like, there's no way those games aren't happening. I'm not, like, there's too much money at stake. And if we've learned anything, man, we've learned that if there is money to be made, these games are getting played. Like, there, there's no doubt. And the one that, the one that bothers me, it's like, I understand that there, there's a TV component to all of this, right? The business component to all of this, but if two teams win a semifinal and then something bad happens, like they got a bad outbreak, delay the game as long as you have to, to let those teams play for a national title. Setting the January 14th date, like, why? Why, like, to, I to appease the city of Indianapolis? Like, go, go play it somewhere else. Like, and the only I, thing I could think of is, is there some, is there some type of rule about, I, when the next semester starts or something like that, I, I, I don't, the next, I don't know. That would be the only thing I could think of. I don't know why they would set an arbitrary date. If there's, if there's, you know, no meaning. Make an exception. It's the national championship game. Yeah. That, that would happen. We, we, we find out all the time that these hard rules that we've got in place that we have to abide by, can be changed instantly if they need to be, right? Yeah. Remember last season, 
And I, I feel like we know a lot more about what's going on now than we knew last year. Does everyone, did, did we just forget that BYU and Coastal Carolina put together a game in like two days? Like, well, Rutgers is going to play Wake Forest right now. I mean, it, it's, it can be done. They can what? figure it out. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. I, and can I just say that you should have put all your players together in a, oh, like a room or something and, and just remember it passed it around. Remember when this all happened initially, the layman theory? Do you remember going back to last yeah. season? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know why. I don't know why more teams didn't adopt it. Alabama's the first one that did it right out of the gate. You're the worst. <laughs> I, I, I understand what the college football playoff was doing by putting that stuff out there, but it just, it seems like it's, putting themselves in a bad spot. Like they didn't have to do it. I don't think I, that's why I'm confused. What it's they like they, sh- put- they should have said, here's our COVID protocol. We're playing these games come hell or high water. Right. That's, that's it. These are, that's these what's going to happen. <laughs> these are the three most important games in our sport. We're going to do whatever it takes to get them play like that. And all you have to say is because it's in the best interest of the student athletes. Yep. If, if, and we all know it's because you make a shit ton of money off it, and that's fine, right? This college football is a business. We understand that. But if you just throw the blanket statement, hey, these student-athletes, they have earned the right to play in these games. We'll do whatever it takes to make sure as many of these young men can play in these games as possible because that's, what, that's what's best for them, right? <laughs> like that's It's you have to for do. the kids. It's for the kids. <laughs> I just – the. <laughs> The one where it's just like, oh, uh, there will be no national champion this season. That's the one where I was like, what the hell are they? Doing? <laughs> I don't know. That would crack me up for some reason. I was like, there's no way. There's no way they'll do that. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Servicing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the driveway company. The driveway company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about SoftRock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And McGinnis, 
just agreed to another six-month contract. They're staying on, Ted. Onward, McGinnis. Go green and white. Let's go. All right. As always, kick us off, Ted. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I really thought about going with UCF since they beat Florida, uh, completing Dan Mullen, uh, total destruction of the Florida program. It's UCF's first win over Florida. It's their first win over a power five school in the state. Uh, they finished with the best record in the state this year. And to, to cap everything off, they ran the ball for 288 yards right down the throat of the Florida Gators, just I, cementing the legacy of Dan Mullen. It, it all started with the Cotton Bowl. I, and I've, I've said this before. I've said it on Sirius. I've said it. I think hit the way he acted after that game, it was the beginning of the end for him. No it doubt. was when you yep. tell your players that a game doesn't matter, that just, I, I couldn't, first of all, a lot of people still talk about that episode <laughs> and what you said about Dan Bull. I think it's, I think it's a lot of people's favorite episode of all time of this podcast, but I, I couldn't believe it then. I still can't believe that a head football coach said that. And that's, I still think that was the beginning of the end for him. When, when you tell your players, hey, some games matter less than others and some games don't matter at all, that's, that's, yep. that's because how you a, end up After that point, they're always wondering if this one means something or does it not. How are we going to treat this one this week, Coach? So when you don't keep it consistent, you, um, you know, this is what you get. You get a massive buyout check. Uh, for several million dollars, right? Poor yeah. Dan Mullen. But all of that said, I I had to go with Lane Johnson. We got a thick six, baby. We got a big man touchdown. How about Lane Johnson today with the Eagles getting the TD? A a beautiful design as well, and not only a a TD for our man Lane, but came from Jalen Hurts. A little, That's I mean, right. you talk about a little. Little OU DNA to OU DNA. That's good stuff, man. And I'll say this Lane, good hands, man, because Hurts, he did not float that thing to him. That thing was on a line. Right. No, that's good. I'd rather it be on a line where you don't have to think about it. When it's floated to you, it's like, oh my God, do I catch this or not? Uh, awesome, though. Um, I wanted more out of him whenever he jumped into the stands. That guy's got a, a incredible vertical. He didn't get up much there, but everything else was just spectacular. Loved it. He, he should have. Do you see who he handed the ball to on the left? There was like yeah, stairs. He should have just taken the stairs up because that railing was high. That was high. high that, railing. Was a, that was a tough jump, even for a guy as athletic as Lane. And that, we got to be real. He's getting a little old and he's been banged up quite a bit even this season. So it's like that, that was a tough ass for the big man. It was, but that was awesome. Loved seeing that was, was super stoked for him. Whenever uh, I saw that come across it was really cool. And if we're being real, won the best thick six of the NFL Sunday. Did you see Connor McDermott from the jets? I, no, I didn't see that one. Big old number 69, six, eight 
had to make an adjustment in the air, went up and got high pointed it. It was wow, dude. It was, I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty impressive. I was like, okay, big fella, nice. I see you. But nonetheless, very proud of you, Lane. Great job, man. All right, who do you have as your winner? Oh, nope, you just did winner. Loser of the weekend. That's the opposite of winner. Loser. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. What the hell? Gabe, the Steelers have not scored a touchdown in the first half in five consecutive games. You have to go back to 1940 to find a a span of five games as bad in the first half. Unbelievable. It's got to be done. They got to be done with Ben Roethlisberger. They've got to move on, man. They have to. And I know he's not their only problem. The the interception he threw on the flea flicker. Did you see that? Uh, no, I did not oh, see that. I, I mean, it was like that point. It was all I. I thought like the ball got deflected or his arm got here. It was just like, nope. That's just where he's at. It was this. This this is how bad that game was. So obviously I am, I'm usually locked into the chiefs game. Like I'll watch red zone, but I like to watch the chiefs. Cause I like to watch Creed and I like to watch Blake bell and Orlando and all those guys. But I, I, I focus on the OU guys and you know, Blake's one of my closest friends. So that's why I'm, I'm usually tuned into that game. The first half happened and my parents were over at my house. Cause my, my brother and sister-in-law are staying here with my niece. Uh, they, I've been staying with us for, you know, basically a week now. <laughs> and my dad goes, Hey, the second half of the chiefs game starting. I was like, who cares? That game is over. Like, I don't need yeah. to watch it. That was, that was a Brutal. tough watch offensively for Pittsburgh. Like that offense stinks. And I mean, right stinks on cue. They had. And when I say their best drive, I don't mean that it was a good drive. I'm just saying the best drive of the half ended with a missed field goal naturally, right? <laughs> just <laughs> terrible. It it's weird. It's always depressing. Like you see it with all great players, but watching Ben Roethlisberger this year, it's just, man, it's made me sad. Like he used to be one of the most entertaining. Like I still remember my rookie year when the Steelers came to play the Titans in Nashville on Monday night football. And it was like, Oh my gosh, no, I'm standing under the sideline. I'm not playing. I'm on IR. I'm like, dude, that's Ben Roethlisberger. Like sweet. Like, and he's just yeah, well, shedding people like super human. And you're just like, what in the world? But it, it, and then you look at what he's doing now, man. It's just like, damn father time is remains undefeated. Well, I remember my rookie year, Gabe, where he went to a super bowl. That's how long he's been playing, man. It's it's time. Uh, he is he is no TB12. Okay, the Roethlisberger lifestyle is not the Tom Brady lifestyle. Okay, and he's tried to make these big weight loss uh, comebacks, and I'm really going to get in shape this time. And it just it, they got to move on. They got to start a new era. They need they need some like they got to get better on the offensive line. Right, they they do definitely, but he's a big part of that 
that problem there, man. It's it's time to to change eras, and I'm sure he knows that too. Some people just aren't meant to go on diets, and I think Ben Roethlisberger is one of those. Just yeah. beer and burgers. That's his diet, man. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, goes good with a bourbon as well. Stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from the blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. And our new sponsor, the Teddy, will read when he looks at the screen. Opolis Clothing has the coolest OU shirts. Their shirts look great. They're buttery soft, and they last forever. Look at that one. Beautiful Oklahoma Sooners there that Gabe is is showcasing. They're the best. Uh, They also have great Oklahoma City Thunder gear as well. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's op O-L-I-S clothing.com and use the promo code TED T-E-D for 15% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com and use the promo code TED for 15% off. For my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Woo. Man, they, they were missing all kinds of guys. They were on the road on Christmas Day against the Suns. Didn't matter, man. I They were able to go get a win in Phoenix, and all of a sudden you look at the standings in the association. The Golden State Warriors had the best record in the NBA. I mean, uh, Steph Curry feels like he's, he's headed towards another MVP. So it, he continues to be very fun to watch. If you can get, once again, if you can get past Draymond Green, very fun basketball team to watch. Yeah, I there's two things. You have to get past Draymond Green and you have to get past Steph Curry chewing on that damn mouthpiece out of the side of his face. Every time we talk about the all you bring up is the mouthpiece. I can't I hate it. it. Just put the thing in your mouth, but I you can't argue it works. That dude is ridiculous and he's better than ever, right? It's right. crazy. Yeah. But my winner of the weekend. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, I, I know the Ravens roster is beat to hell, right? All kinds of guys on IR, all kinds of guys in the COVID protocol, uh, especially on that defense, right? Man, they, they probably shouldn't. Their, their record shouldn't be what it is right now. I, I think Harbaugh has done a really good job this season, even though they, they've lost on some of those late-game decisions he's made. I don't care, but... And they, they had to start Josh Johnson, former teammate, by the way, Josh Johnson at quarterback in this one because Lamar and Huntley both couldn't go. But anytime 
an NFL quarterback throws for 525 yards and four touchdowns in an NFL game, a regular season game, I'm going to be impressed. And that is exactly what Joe Burrow did in this football game. I, and I know they kept throwing it late and that probably didn't make Harbaugh very happy, but you know, he he's done. He's, he's pulled some of those shenanigans in his day as well. So part of him probably respected it, but we, we talked about this group of skill guys from Cincinnati. I mean, starting with Burrow, Joe Mixon is scoring touchdowns again. Uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Boyd. And the Bengals offense is fun, right? And maybe Burrow's getting hit a little too much. Maybe they were passing a little too much late, but all of a sudden, they're, they're the three seed in the AFC, and they're tied. I think they're tied for anyone in the AFC, like with the best record against the conference. Like they're playing some fun football. Like, I don't know if they're a real contender or not, but like they are really fun to watch offensively. Well, the NFL playoffs are about being hot at the right time. And offensively, they've got the group that can be hot at the right time. And that was impressive. I watched a lot of that game. Um, Burrow had a, had a really nice run. You know, he's – we've known this. We played him in, in 2019 and got to watch a lot of them then. I do not speak of that game. Uh, he's he's athletic. He can make some plays moving around. Uh, but I had him in fantasy. And he threw up an eighty burger today, Gabe. How about that? Not he was not on a your standard. Team? Yeah, not a standard league, but eighty points today from uh, oh uh, Joey Burrow. I and I it's fantasy playoffs right now, right? Yeah, I'm not playing fantasy this year. I I dropped the ball on that. So. What is it? Semifinals? Quarters? Quarters? Semifinals. So that basically guarantees you you a trip to the finals, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's over. Seeing the the finals. Joe Burrow and Devontae Adams basically got me there alone. God. We'll we'll talk about that game a little bit. Let's let's (laughs) do it right now. (laughs) From my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with our boy Baker Mayfield. And listen, there is no doubt we, uh, you and I, and the vast majority of people that listen to this podcast are cheering for Baker Mayfield, right? There's no doubt. And you look at how he played in that football game, he looked like a guy that hasn't practiced in a while. I mean, he was just not sharp at all against the Packers. And Cleveland's defense, man, kept him in it and kept him in it and kept him in it, but it just didn't look like Baker was seeing the defense very well. He looked antsy in the pocket. He he looked unsure with his feet. Like I haven't seen him look less confident than that. And I, dude, I don't know how long it's been. Like he cut the beard off. I don't know if that had something to do. I don't know, but. Four interceptions in that game, and man, the Browns are seven and eight. I yeah. and I know they're beat up, and I know he was missing some offensive linemen. And the protection wasn't tremendous. He got sacked a lot, but you know some of that stuff. I he just looked he looked very uncomfortable in the pocket in that football game. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, a couple of things first. He has been out 
he's still incredibly banged up. He's been playing hurt all season, but it's pretty telling whenever they're down late in that game and they're out of timeouts and they're running the football and throwing screen passes. That tells you everything that you need to know about how they feel about their quarterback right now. And I, I only watch, I, I watched the last couple of, of drives and I had him like, Oh, of like six or seven to end the game, including that, that last interception. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not going good there right now. He needs to get healthy regroup, but they've, they've got a, they've got an interesting decision looming over his contract coming up. No doubt. No doubt. It has not gone. It's not gone the way that we hoped it would go for him this season. Right. And it's unfortunate because it, it, it's clear the dude cares. You know, he's been banged up, but man, yeah, just not playing great football right now. And, and that team is, they're struggling. They're struggling. All of a sudden, the Bengals are in control of things in the AFC North. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Well, they've had some help. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense is disastrous, and <laughs> Baltimore's playing everyone but Lamar Jackson. So, uh, they've had a little bit of help, but man, they sure have capitalized at the right time. Yep. But my loser of the weekend, and I'm sorry, man, but the New England Patriots, the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills went to Foxborough and put it on your squad. They put it on your squad. Josh Allen in the Bills offense. They did some really good things in this game. Uh, you, if, if you were watching the game, just had a huge drive in the fourth quarter, took a ton of time off the clock, went and put the thing away. Josh Allen did it with his arm, did it with his legs. And this has been the big criticism from me of the Patriots team. Man, They just don't have enough explosive explosiveness in the passing game. They just don't now. Damian Harris, I mean, they ran the hell out of the ball. I thought he had a really nice day, but you're just not going to win games against good NFL teams when Mac Jones only throws the ball for 145 yards. Like it's just they're not going to get to where they want to go. It, that just a couple of weeks ago, this is why people need to watch the YouTube because they will see how long have you been doing this fishing motion and really. Like, I don't even know what you're doing. You'll explain it. This is, this is you taking the spinner bait. You're taking it, man. You're taking the bait. They're laying it out there for you, but go ahead. Okay. All I'm saying is just a couple weeks ago, the Patriots looked like the team to beat. Like maybe they were the team to beat in the AFC. Now they dropped a couple to good teams. And I don't think people are feeling that way anymore. And I, I think it's because. I don't know if Mac Jones has limitations or the coaches don't, don't trust him or it's a combination of the boat of both, but that passing game has got to get ramped up or, or it's going to be an early exit for your boys. It's a ruse, man. Think about it. The last thing the Patriots want to do is to go into the playoffs with everyone thinking that they're the team to beat. They're good. They're not great. Okay. 
they don't need to be everyone's focal point going into the playoffs. Let's lose a couple. Let the Chiefs get hot. Everyone's going to be focused on the Chiefs, talking about the Chiefs, and we're going to slide in there. And lo and behold, oh, my God, here we are. It's the AFC championship game, and New England wins the thing. And they go right into the Super Bowl just as everyone feared all along. It's going to happen. Just, just relax. Okay. Okay. Well, can't wait to see how that works out for your squad. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. A, a couple observations because I watched a ton of this game. Uh, number one, Isaiah McKenzie, he, uh, I think Cole Beasley may get Wally Pipped. And that guy. Mm-hmm. He's got some juice to him. I think he had 11 catches for like 125 and a touchdown in the slot there for the Bills. I mean, Cole Beasley, I, I know he's getting fined like crazy, but he better find his ass back in uh, onto the practice field or Isaiah McKenzie's going to take his job. No doubt. And that, that 100K is going to hurt a lot worse if you're jobless afterwards, right? Um, uh, Isaiah McKenzie looked good, and uh, Stephon Diggs had another nice day, and how about Singletary? Uh, Devin Singletary has the second half of this season, like really the last third of this season, has come on strong for them and started playing some good football. Yeah, and, and the other thing, two more things from this game. Number one, there were 10 fourth down attempts in this game. I mean, you talk about teams changing their strategy, using more analytics, whatever. Like, there were 10 fourth down attempts. In a national football game, national football league game between the Bills and the Patriots. I, every crazy. time I looked up, someone was, was going for it on fourth down. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, just calm. Belichick's playing the long game here, Gabe. This, this season is not about beating the Bills, it's about winning the Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Whatever that means. And, okay. and then <laughs> please tell me you saw the reporter that asked Belichick if he had any New Year's resolutions. Please tell me you saw the clip. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's uh, she, this woman, she even prefaces, she's like, I'm writing an article about New Year's resolutions. It like just goes out and just says, it. he's like, do you have any New Year's resolutions? And he just sitting there like, um, no. And then he's like, Maybe I'll have some next week. <laughs> it's like it was the funniest. <laughs> no, that lady's got some serious courage, right? Knowing full well, knowing how that would probably was going to go. So I give her credit for asking the question. But dude, you got to go track down the clip. It's incredible. Uh, I love that. Do you think that after the press conference that Belichick had a moment and sat down and it's like, I really do need to come up and with a New Year's resolution and get serious about it this year? Maybe I, I really wish. And remember he had kind of, he softened, right? He apologized being mean to the media the other day. It would have been so good if he would have been like, oh yeah, my, my, my new year's resolution is to not have to answer any stupid questions. (laughs) I don't know why my Belichick impression, my Belichick impression is awful, but I don't know why he speaks softly. That's what I'm going for. I guess. I don't know. It's actually, it's not that bad. Thanks. I, it's, it comes across well. We know what you're doing. I'll workshop I it. Think, I think his New Year's resolution should be not to linger on any losses and uh, just be on to the next game. 
uh, on to Cincinnati, I guess. I don't know who they play next week, but pretty good stuff. Yeah. All right. On that note, episode 176 in the books. We will have a new podcast that we will record right after the Alamo Bowl. It will be in the wee hours of the morning. Ted, are you mentally preparing for that? Yes. I'm I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm going to have to get a a nap in at some point during the day, but I've got to figure out what to do with my four-hour radio show that day. Oof, boy. Because unfortunately, the game is like... I could go four hours right into pregame without missing a a, a hitch. Ooh. Ooh. What about the what about your radio show the day after? Right? When we're burning the midnight oil, do, finishing a postgame podcast. Ooh. I'll I'll be thinking of you as I'm flying to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. You can hear Teddy from two to six on 94.7 the ref. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio. Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Enjoy the Alamo Bowl. Let's go Sooners. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.